Welcome into the Roto Lounge. It's your boy Brad Starks. We're here to talk Detroit Lions. Where's my Detroit, Michigan people at? This one's for you. We are praying and hoping that Dan Campbell can get us to the playoffs. We're going to break down the Detroit Lions today, talk about some fantasy players they have that we might want and what positions they might look for in the draft or free agency. But before we do that, we definitely have to have our drink for the night. So if you want something to drink, go ahead and get it now. I'm going to go get some bourbon and I'll meet you right back here on the flip side. All right. Welcome back. Welcome back tonight. Uh, I was inspired by one of the patrons, Seth. Uh, We were talking about Russell's Reserve. Really, really good whiskey. If you're looking for an over-the-counter whiskey, Russell Reserve, single barrel, red label, absolutely delicious. It's about 50 bucks. In my experience, some of the better versions of Russell's are store picks or club picks. Um, And tonight... Seth was talking about how he had one. He really, really enjoyed it. So I just pulled one of mine. I have a few of the picks. This one I actually got at Costco in Kentucky. Shout out to Bo, uh, Costco in the hizzy. Uh, But this one is actually almost 10 years old. On the back of these picks, it tells you uh, when it was distilled, when it was uh, dumped, and when it was bottled. So this actual whiskey was distilled on 1021 of 2011. Um, and then it was dumped on 9-2 of 2021. So basically a little over 10 years. Um, and it is a Costco wholesale pick uh, out of Warehouse S Floor 5. Uh, and this comes in at 110 proof. So let's pop it and let's get this episode started, shall we? Championship. Russell's Reserve, one of my all-time favorites. I remember doing one of my very first podcasts when I did um, bourbon at the beginning. I uh, I just raved how much I loved it. Uh, an absolute quality pour. If you don't have one, it is a must for any person starting a bourbon uh, shelf. So on the nose here, I get dark cherries. I get... A little bit of cinnamon, but a little bit of sugar as well. Some vanilla cream. A little bit of oak and leather. Now, most of these picks are between eight and nine years. And I find that eight and nine years like kind of like the sweet spot for this Russell Reserve. I don't know what the uh, the blend is. Um, I don't know like the one off the shelf, how, how much that's aged. But let's go in for the taste. Wow. Wow, 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 wow. Holy cow. So this is very tannicky. And that means like you can taste the barrel, the wood. It's not a bad thing. It's just it's been in the barrel for a long time. You can taste it. But I also get like a cherry, not necessarily a medicinal, but a light cherry flavor in the wood. Almost like if you soak wood in some cherry medicine. Um, then rinsed it off and sucked on it. It's probably what this would taste like. I get a lot of oak, a lot of leather, a little drying sensation. Let's go back for one more. 
so good. Maybe a little citrus, a little orange. Very good. Very good. Let me get a little bit more of that. And we'll get started on the Detroit Lions. The Detroit Lions. This is episode two. There's the Jacksonville Jaguars. That is out right now that you can listen to. We're going based on worst record to best record. And Detroit finished last year 3-13-1. So they are the second worst team in the NFL. They get the second pick in the NFL draft. Some of the other 2022 draft selections in the top four rounds that the Lions have, they also have pick 27 in the first round. So they actually have two picks in the first round. They have pick 34 in round two. They have picked 66 in round three and also picked 98 in round three. So in the first four rounds, the Lions have two ones, a second, and two thirds. So it's a great time to be a Lions fan in this rebuild that they're going through. Uh, They did have some building blocks in 2021, and we'll talk about that. Head coaches Dan Campbell, he is signed through 2026. Um, I would say I'm not necessarily a Detroit Lions fan, but I would say I think he did a good job. I think they showed a lot of fight. I think they showed a lot of promise. Uh, I think Dan Campbell, I don't is is he the guy that can take them to the next level to go to the playoffs and go to the Super Bowl? I don't know. Maybe he can build a culture in there of winning. Uh, but for Lions fans, let's hope that Dan Campbell is the man. So let's look at some of their top performers in 2021. According to NFL.com, uh, the 55th ranked player was Amon Ross St. Brown, wide receiver. He had 227 fantasy points. DeAndre Swift was second with... 208 then the quarterback jared golf was third with 202 tj hawkinson the tight end with 145 khalif raymond wide receiver 132 jamal williams 119.8 riley patterson the kicker with 59 and the detroit lions defense with 58 now we can look at some other guys quintus cephas craig reynolds Kaderil hodge jamar jefferson trinity benson tom kennedy godwin igwe weekway and Tyrell Williams, who went down week one with a concussion. Let's talk about some potential future fantasy football dynasty studs. The first one is the leading scorer on the team last year. That's Amon Ross St. Brown. Let's first talk about him. Due to injuries on the team, right? Around by week nine, the Lions announced that they wanted to try you know, Amon Ra, St. Brown in other positions besides just the slot wide receiver role. They wanted to use him in a variety of ways, uh, including the Z receiver. Now, this change was massive for his production. In his previous seven games, he, he totaled only 27 receptions, 250 yards, and zero touchdowns for an average of four catches for 35 yards per game his first seven. All right. Now, after the bye week, after Detroit announced, hey, they wanted to use him in more ways, Amon Ross St. Brown also acknowledged that they wanted to use him in, in different ways. Um, he really went off after that bye week. He had 63 receptions, 662 yards, and five touchdowns. Now, that gave him an average of seven receptions, 73 yards, and half a touchdown per game compared to that four for 35 he averaged in the first seven games. Now, it is true that TJ Hawkinson and DeAndre Swift didn't play much or at, at all after week 13. So Amon Ra was funneled a lot of volume. But on the positive side, he produced with that added attention from defenses. So you'll hear people say, well, he only did it because there was no one else there. Look, he did very well. Defenses knew they had to 
prepare for him, and he still produced. So let's not make excuses for what he's actually done. I mean, there are a lot of players in the NFL in similar situations, and they didn't produce like St. Brown produced when given the chance. Um, another accomplishment for St. Brown uh, was that he broke the Lions' rookie record for receptions. Uh, he beat all-pro, former all-pro, Herman Moore, Calvin Johnson, um, and, you know, those are two of the best receivers in the history of Detroit. Um, and, and if you look at the comparison and pass attempts from Herman Moore's season, Calvin Johnson's rookie season, to Amon Ross St. Brown season, there was no massive spike in pass attempts. Um, and I actually think that Calvin Johnson's season, he had – Stafford had way more pass attempts Calvin's rookie season than Amon's. I mean, Amon Rob Brown still broke the rookie record for receptions. Um, and he accomplished this by week 15. So it wasn't like he had extra games to do it. He did it in the same amount of time the other two uh, had in their rookie season. Now, at the beginning of the season, when I looked at my analytical model for Amon Rice St. Brown, he scored... Uh, as a top 24 fantasy fi fantasy football wide receiver before the draft. Now, my model does a top 5, a top 12, or a top 24 potential ceiling. And before the draft, St. Brown scored top 24. And that's really good. That's looking at a wide receiver 2 for your fantasy teams. But then the draft happened, and he fell out of round 3. He was actually drafted in round 4. And if you know the histories of wide receivers or you follow me and I talk about wide receivers, the history shows us, history shows us that if you're not drafted, if you're a receiver, if you're a wide receiver and you're not drafted in rounds one through three, um, most of the times you're not going to be an impactful wide receiver at the NFL level. Now, there are outliers, of course. There are outliers of everything that we look at. Uh, but it's easier to paint a picture with Brown succeeding had he been drafted within the first three rounds. Because since he wasn't, he now became an outlier. All right. So I don't really want to compare Amon Ross St. Brown to Stephon Diggs, right? But both were five star athletes coming out of high school. And in my research of college prospects going to the pros, I've noticed that there's a pattern of five-star athletes having a better opportunity to succeed at the next level, and they tend to be more of those outliers. Maybe their college production didn't match that what we expect of them as five stars, but maybe they were slow learners. There's, there's several reasons why maybe they didn't make it in college like we thought, but they were drafted. And when they produce, you look back and say, well, they were a five-star athlete. So you knew that they had the talent and the skill. Maybe they just were in the wrong situation. Maybe they weren't focused, what have you. But I did notice that there is a pattern of five-star athletes having a better opportunity to succeed at the next level. Now, Stephon Diggs was drafted in round five out of Maryland. So... You know, that is a one-off. I mean, there's a few other outliers, Tyreek Hill. Um, I can't think any more at the top of my head. But there are outliers that were drafted. You know, um, Antonio Brown, now he wasn't a five-star athlete. Um, but there are other outliers of receivers that were drafted outside of round three and became, you know, fantasy football or NFL stars. Now, my analytical model, I don't really – 
you can't make excuses for it, right? It, it spits out what it says, and you just can't make excuses for it. Um, but if I wanted to make an excuse for why Amon Ross St. Brown did not get drafted in the top three rounds, it's because proven, proven poor wide receiver evaluators, Arizona, Cliff Kingsbury has not been able to draft a wide receiver since he was hired to Arizona. He whiffed on um, Keyshawn Johnson, Hakeem Butler, Andy Isabella. Uh, looks like Rondell Moore could be could be a miss. Then you look at the Rams. They have not been able to draft a wide receiver of any talent. Van Jefferson is the most recent, but he's actually pretty decent. Before that, they haven't had any. And then Seattle... Uh, they got lucky with DK Metcalf, uh, but I don't think they they, they drafted um, Gary Jennings Jr. Um, some wide receivers they drafted just didn't work out. So they wasted second-round picks on Rondell Moore, Tutu Atwell, and D. Eskridge, in my opinion. So Amon Ross, eight round, should have been drafted in that area, but he wasn't, so that's just an excuse that I'm making. But once he was drafted outside the round round four he was no longer eligible eligible to be a top uh 24 wide receiver um but in my rankings i had him higher and we'll talk about that um so now we ask ourselves what do we do with amon ross st brown all right well the first thing that you need to do is you need to go join my Patreon page, patreon.com slash rotolounge, because I hyped Amon Ross St. Brown as a potential sleeper of this class. We talked about he hit top 24 before the draft. Then he was drafted outside the top four rounds, but I, I told the patrons that if there was a player in this draft that we wanted to focus on that was drafted outside the top three rounds that could be an outlier this year, it was Amon Ross St. Brown, and we were able to get him, and I have him in several leagues, we were able to get him in either... The, the beginning, the middle, or the late second round, and even in some leagues, the beginning of the third round because he fell in the draft because of his draft status. But there was potential for him to be an outlier, and in year one, he actually became an outlier. So check out my Patreon page, patreon.com slash rotolounge. Um, my, I myself, hopefully some of the patrons, I think some of the patrons did get Amon Ross St. Brown. Um, if we got him, we got him at his lowest cost to date, right? I mean, other than his first few weeks of the season, you might've got him cheaper, but once he started blowing up, then that buy low window was out the door. You could not buy him low at that point. This is how you win a dynasty. You get them at their lowest cost. So if you're following Roto Lounge, you're following Brad Starks, we talked about Amar Ross Brown. You could have got him cheap. Watch that value increase. Now you have multiple choices of what you can do. So what can we do with him, right? We can take the profits, right? We can trade him for more than we paid, or we can keep him as a depth piece that really didn't cost much, and we can focus on other parts of our roster. Personally, I could see either side. Whichever side you want to do, I could, I could vote for either side. I'm not one way or the other with Amon Ross St. Brown. If I was offered the right package and it helped me win now and possibly in the future, I might accept that offer. But I'm also happy keeping him for the price that we paid, 
which is probably, like I said, a mid to late second in drafts. I'm happy with that. Absolutely happy with that. So I don't need to sell. I don't need to flip him for more if I don't want to because we have confidence in our process that we're going to come into 2022. We're going to hit on these rookies. We're going to get buy low players before the the draft season or or the, the football season. We're going to be ready for our 2024 drafts, 2023 drafts. We're going to be ready for these drafts, and we're going to hit on these picks. So I'm happy keeping them for what I paid for them and using them as a depth piece, right? Now, I, I want you to stay tuned for my rookie ranks in 2022 because we may be able to flip Brown for a rookie pick and grab a higher graded prospect in my model, right? So, like I mentioned, there's multiple things that we can do. If we feel like, hey, the draft's happening, someone's like, hey, I'll give you the top of the second for, you know, for Amon Ross St. Brown. And let's just say George Pickens, George Pickens out of Georgia's there, top of the second round, we'll say, yeah, you can have Amon Ross St. Brown. Give us that because we'll take Pickens because Pickens is graded higher pre-draft than Amon Ross St. Brown is. So there are players that we might be able to get because Amon Ross St. Brown broke out. So follow me, stay tuned for our rankings, and uh, potentially we could flip him for something better. On the flip side, uh, we talk about selling Amon Ross St. Brown. If I don't have him, I am in no circumstances going out and buying Amon Ross St. Brown. I'm not buying him for his price. All right. Now, in the case of Amon Ross St. Brown, and you hear people saying it, and you have to acknowledge it, you have to take notice that Detroit had most of their top players injured when he started to break out. Okay. Now, I don't want to discredit the breakout, right? I don't want to do that. But I also don't want to pay the price tag that's going to reflect what he did in that breakout. You know, right now he's going currently, I think, no later than a first-round pick. And that's a bit high for me to play, you know, for a player that my model grade as a top 24 wide receiver to begin with, right? So I'm happy keeping him. I'm happy selling him high. I'm happy selling him for, for some depth. But I'm not going out and buying him high. We do not buy high. We will focus on using those assets to acquire him, flipping those for picks or using those picks to get players that are going to help us succeed without paying high for a player. Next up on Detroit fantasy studs that we want to target or sell is running back DeAndre Swift. Now, talking about the rookie model, DeAndre Swift and my rookie model initially was my third ranked running back in his class. He was behind Jonathan Taylor and Cam Akers. Not sure how you feel about that now, uh, but he eventually fell to the fourth running back once Clyde Edwards, a layer, was drafted in round one. Clyde Edwards was actually my running back seven before the draft. Once he was drafted in the first round, I had to move him up because of draft capital. He went to Kansas City, the most, the best possible landing spot because of Andy Reid and his uh, history with Brian Westbrook and you know all that combined. So I felt like I needed to move him up because of that opportunity. But Clyde Edwards is who the model evaluated him as the seventh best running back in that class. So uh, Swift fell to number five after the draft. Um, but to me, the things that plague Swift as a prospect 
um, are some of the things that may have really followed him to the NFL. You know, in college, he was a rotational back. Cheers. Well, you look at his sophomore season, and he rotated with Elijah Hollifield. Uh, he rushed for 1,000 yards, right? I think 1,040. 1,040 or 1,050, and it was about 30 yards more than Elijah Hollyfield, who I think had 1,020. Elijah Hollyfield is not even in the NFL anymore. He couldn't even make it. He was so slow. So when you look at that sophomore season, that kind I kind of questioned that a little bit. Um, my question was really, is he good enough to handle a backfield on his own? Right? Can he handle a backfield on his own or not? Now, if he is, can he withstand the punishment of an every down back? Why is he not an every down back? These were just some of the questions I had. Um, if you look at his best two seasons in college, he only had 163 carries and 196 carries. And you compare that to bell cows like Jonathan Taylor, who averaged 300 carries in three seasons. Cam Akers averaged almost 200 carries over his three seasons at Florida State. So if you look at Swift's NFL career so far, he's, he's yet to come close to either of his best carry seasons in college. His first two years in the NFL, he just had 114 carries and 151. Those were two 13-game injury-filled seasons. And injury is a key word here. Since joining the NFL, Swift has missed several games due to injuries. Right? He missed two games uh, with a concussion as a rookie. He missed two games, I think, with a, a shoulder injury. And he dealt with those in college as well. He missed most of the offseason leading up to 2021 um, with a groin injury. And you have to believe that had hampered him during the season. He had a groin injury in 2018 at Georgia. He was injured this year on Thanksgiving with an AC, a shoulder sprain. He missed four games. He also injured a shoulder in college. I don't know if it's the, the same shoulder or not, but he had a shoulder injury in college. Um, and so he's missed these games based on injuries. So the question for me still hasn't gone away. Can he handle the beating of an every down back? Can he handle a backfield by himself two questions i had so going into the 2021 season i was openly fading deandre swift due to the potential injury history there's a website out there draftsharks.com they do like injury projections and stuff like that they had him at an 85 percent chance to be injured this season based on his prior injury history now I will say this, though. It was a terrible, terrible year to fade anyone due to injury history because this season with COVID-19, normally healthy players were missing a lot of time with COVID-19 or some other thing. So really, you should I should, I mean, looking back on it, I shouldn't have faded anybody. You should have just said, all right, if everyone is healthy and you, you, you know, factor in COVID-19 missed time, this would be the rankings. But I also try to take in consideration the chance that the player would be injured. So I did fade uh, DeAndre Swift. Um, 
And that was wrong. That was wrong. He was on pace. Swift was on pace for a career year statistically before being injured. So he had a terrific, absolute terrific season. I mean, he was looking like a league winner before he went down with that AC injury. Uh, you, you can't predict it. I can't say that you can predict an injury, but you can prepare for a possibility of an injury. Um, so here's my stance on DeAndre Swift. All right. On these episodes, we're going to talk about buying, selling, what I think we should do. I don't have any shares of DeAndre Swift. Absolutely no shares of DeAndre Swift. Um, I have a lot of Jonathan Taylor. I have a lot of Cam Akers. I have one or two J.K. Dobbins. I have, I think, one Clyde Edwards. Just trying to diversify from that class, but I don't have any DeAndre Swift. And honestly, I am not going to actively pursue getting him on any of my dynasty teams. Now, if you want him, he's definitely going to cost you a lot. So you have to think about that. Now, I think probably a first-round pick and another young talent the the owner of Swift is going to want because I doubt most owners are going to come off him for cheap. Now, if you paid a rookie pick, if you got him in rookie draft, that was probably the absolute lowest you could get him. I think he's far exceeded what you paid for him. I think you've got your return on investment. Uh, Cam Akers has been out for the season. Jonathan Taylor obviously was most the number one pick, so you probably didn't take DeAndre Swift number one overall. Um, if you did, tune into my Roto Lounge Patreon page because we had Jonathan Taylor in a tier by himself. Wasn't even close to any other running back that year. Um, Clyde Edwards has not performed. JK's been injured. So really, DeAndre Swift has return value based on where you drafted him in that rookie class. So if you acquired him after the draft, maybe after he broke out, then you likely paid a lot to acquire him. Um, I would probably start shopping him. I would probably try to trade him and get something back uh, for what you paid because I don't think you're probably going to get a return on investment based on what you paid. What I think is if you can get any 2023 first-round pick, I think that's a good starting point. Let's just say halfway through 2022, the worst team in your league thinks they're getting a steal by giving a 2023 first for Swift. They think he's going to help build their franchise or whatever, and you have a chance to get that 2023 pick. Try to add something else to that because, in my opinion, we are going to have some stud bell cow backs coming in 2023, and you want to get rid of anybody that might have some high value that isn't a stud bell cow back um, at the next level. That's just my take. Uh, I, I think I think DeAndre Swift is a great receiving back. He's great in PPR. He's not necessarily, you know, an every down between the tackles type running back. And he still finished as PPR fantasy running back 15. So after all this that I'm talking, what the hell do I even know? He finished as a top back. He did what he had to do. Can he keep it up? I don't know. Can he continue down the road with all these injuries? I don't know. Um, I would probably trade him because I don't want to have him on my team. If I find out that he can't handle it year four, he's struggling or he's always injured. I want to make sure he's off my roster. So if you have him, be happy. Keep him. Do what you want to do. But in my opinion, I think that for the right price, we might want to shop him. 
All right, next up is TJ Hawkinson. Tight end TJ Hawkinson. Now, I was high on TJ Hawkinson this year. Yes, I was very high. Uh, I even advised to pass on Travis Kelsey and take TJ Hawkinson about two rounds, three rounds later. Um, was that a good decision? I don't know. I know Kelsey blew up in the first round of the playoffs. I think he kind of died off after that. Hawkinson wasn't even around for the playoffs. So likely, I don't know what the structure would have been. But what kind of led me to that decision was if you look at TJ Hawkinson's first two seasons in the NFL, he ranked 27th all-time in total PPR points for tight ends. He's ranked below guys like T, uh, Gronkowski, Jimmy Graham, George Kittle, Mark Andrews. Now, I think for this season, the strategy did not pan out for TJ Hawkinson finishing as a top two, top five tight end. But I still think he's a guy that we want on our dynasty teams. I still think he has everything that we want. Now, 2021 was not a great showing for him. And there are some negatives. Is it his second year in a row that he had a season-ending injury? He's only been in the league three years. He only scored top five tight end in fantasy four times this season. Or roughly 30% of his games. So he finished top five in 30% of the games he played. Not great but not terrible. It could be like 10%. Um, he actually finished tight end 15, right? And he played only 12 games this season. You can compare that to our fantasy football number one tight end, Mark Andrews, who scored at a top five score in 50% of his games. So the number one tight end scored top five, 50% of the games he played, and Hawkinson scored 30%. At top five. So he's just got a little bit more to go before he can be in that that uh, echelon of top tight ends in the league. But if you look at Detroit, Hawkinson was the focal point for most of the defensive schemes to start the season. He was the focal point. He was taking a lot of beating. He ultimately uh, missed the last five games of the season. He opted to have a season-ending thumb surgery, cost him the rest of the season. Like I mentioned, he finished as tight end 15. He had 145 PPR fantasy points for the season. In my opinion, I still think TJ Hawkinson is a top five dynasty tight end. I think he has a long career as a stud tight end in the NFL. He can block. He's a defensive mismatch. He's only 24 years old. That's two years younger than Mandrews, who was the number one tight end in fantasy this year. So I think the combination of his young age and his skill set means he's only going to get better with time. Now, if you listen to me in the past, I actually felt like Hawkinson was worth a mid to late first in his rookie class. I thought he was that good. I had him ranked first, then Noah Fant second, and Irv Smith third. I felt he was worth a mid to late first pick in that class. 
And I would say since then, I think his value probably has risen. So if I was in a rebuild in Dynasty, he would be one of my top targets as a cornerstone piece to secure my tight end position for the next five to eight seasons, if not longer. He currently costs less than Kyle Pitts, Mark Andrews, George Kittle, Darren Waller. He costs less than all those guys. But I think that he competes statistically with them every season moving forward. Now, the Lions need to pick up his fifth-year option. And if they do, he's going to be on Detroit for the next two seasons, barring a long-term extension. I'd imagine they're going to give him a long-term deal. But if they don't, he's only in Detroit for two more seasons. Researching him, I'm a big fan of his work ethic, his age, and his skill set. I'm telling you, you should go get him. If you can get him and afford him, I would go get him. This is probably a good time you could buy him low because he just ended the season with an injury, finished as tight end 15. Um, there's other guys that had great seasons like Dalton Schultz, um, Mike Gusecki, some of these other guys that maybe you could flip for TJ Hawkinson for the long term. Last one that I think might be somebody we want to focus on is Jamal Williams. Now, Jamal Williams was signed in the offseason by Detroit to be a between-the-tackle grinder who is, you know, an above-average receiver. I don't think he's ever going to be a bell cow, but he's a situational depth piece. I was actually pretty high on Williams this year um, because, like I mentioned earlier, I'm not convinced of DeAndre Swift's durability. So I thought that Williams would be a good pick. Uh, But... Lo and behold, Williams was injured himself, um, so that was a bad recommendation. In my opinion, I would still stash him uh, on my roster as a depth piece, a potential flex if if Swift goes down next season. He scored 119 PPR fantasy points. He only played 13 games, uh, and I think it might be a sneaky good buy low for us. Um, If you're looking for depth on a contender, I might offer like a third round pick to acquire him. Maybe throw in a player that we don't value as much to get the deal done. Right now, his contract with Detroit has one year remaining, but the way it was um, constructed when he signed is that they could actually release him, just have like a one and a half million dead cap hit. Um, If they do that, he'll be a free agent. If not, if he plays one more year, he'll be unrestricted free agent in 2023. So if you get him now, maybe someone's like, oh, I don't need Detroit's, you know, second round or backup third string. You get him for cheap. He goes to another team, has a better opportunity somewhere uh, if, if another running back goes down. So keep your eye on him. Sneaky by low. See what your league mates want for him. Now the rest of Detroit's, Offensive skill set players. They're just depth pieces. Quintez Cephas, Josh Reynolds, Jamar Jefferson. Not really excited about these guys, except maybe as depth pieces in deep leagues. Uh, I'm not actively going after these guys unless I'm in super deep leagues. And you can ask me those questions and give me scenarios, and I can probably help you there. Also, I did not forget about Tyrell Williams, who he went down early. Uh, this year, I think week one with a concussion never returned, and he was actually waived by Detroit 
with an injury settlement, I think sometime in November. Uh, but also, he's 30 years old. So I'm not really interested in a 30-year-old guy who's been bounced around team to team. So let's look at fantasy football positions of need for Detroit. All right. Let's drink one up. Cheers. To me, I think quarterback is a position of need for the Detroit Lions. Now, I talked in the Jacksonville Jaguar episode of how taking a wide receiver early in round two might be ideal. And I think the same logic goes here for Detroit in the second round. But I think they could potentially land a franchise quarterback at the 2-2 if he falls. Now, I don't think that Detroit's going to use the 1-2 on a quarterback since they you know, have Jared Goff locked up um, for a while. But their second-round pick could be interesting if a quarterback falls in this draft. Now, they also have pick 127, as I mentioned. And most times, if a quarterback falls to the end of the first round, teams will try to trade back into the first to make the selection because the reason they do this is because if you draft a player in the first round, you get that fifth-year option to sign them at a uh, you know a higher salary, but not necessarily a, a salary that's going to really affect you in the cap. Every other, uh, I think they go four years, three years, et cetera, down as the draft goes on. So you'll see a lot of teams move into that late first round to get a quarterback. But Detroit sits there at 27, so they necessarily wouldn't even have to move. But it's very important with that fifth-year option for quarterbacks because you could have them signed for another year before actually having to sign them to a huge contract. So we have to ask ourselves, which quarterbacks would fall to that 127 or round two? Or could Detroit take a, another position at 27, use their second round pick, maybe a third round pick, move back into the first and get someone at you know 28, 29, 30, 31, 32? In my limited film evaluation so far, to me, in this class, quarterback uh, out of Nevada, Carson Strong is the number one quarterback in this class. Um, if he falls in this draft, and, and you've seen mock drafts, you've seen Malik Willis going high, you've seen Kenny Pickett going high, uh, you I've seen some where Carson Strong has gone high. Um, but for me, for me right now, is Carson Strong number one? And... If he falls, I'd expect a team that's kind of eyeing him as their pick to come back into the first if Detroit passes on him, or they might even try to jump Detroit at 26 or 25 or 24. Because I think that might be a nice little spot for quarterbacks based on who falls. Um, I think some other quarterbacks beside Carson Strong that could fall um, is probably Desmond Ritter. I think maybe Sam Howe could fall. Uh, to the Lions. I think both would be great additions for the franchise, but for me, right now, it's Carson Strong as the top quarterback. And I got a lot to do, but on early film, Carson Strong, Carson Strong looks like the real deal to me. And he could be a hidden gem in this class. Now, wide receiver is also a need for Detroit. 
I think if quarterback isn't the pick for Detroit, they could also target a wide receiver here. Um, and like I mentioned in the last episode, two years ago, T. Higgins was the first-round pick in the second for uh, Cincinnati. Last year, Elijah Moore was the second pick in the second round for the Jets. Targets to help the quarterback. I think that Detroit could do the same uh, by targeting a stud wide receiver. I don't think Amon Ross St. Brown is an alpha. I think they need somebody to compliment him. Uh, and just like I mentioned in the Jacksonville episode, I think former Georgia Bulldog wide receiver George Pickens or USC Trojan wide receiver Drake London could be available at the early second. Uh, both are tall wide receivers that I think could complement Amon Ross St. Brown, also complement DeAndre Swift and Take the safety away from TJ Hawkinson, maybe some linebackers that would help open up the offense for them. So I think Detroit needs to really focus on getting an alpha wide receiver to take some of the attention away from their other skill positions. And this is going to open up opportunity next season for Amon Ross St. Brown and TJ Hawkinson um, on offense. Tight end. I think Detroit's happy with the tight end. We talked a lot about Hawkinson. We talked a lot about Swift and Jamal Williams. I think they're happy with their running backs. I think they might pass on these, except late, late, late in the draft. But I wouldn't even imagine that they would draft any, maybe some undrafted free agents they might bring in. But I think they'll focus more on defense. And if they need a skill position, it's going to be quarterback or wide receiver. Now, we'll see how 2022 goes because 2023 could be a different story. And we'll look at that when the time comes. All right, fam. I hope you enjoyed this breakdown of Detroit. Stay tuned for more episodes. We'll be looking at the third team in our breakdown next time. The third worst team in the NFL. I don't even know who that is. Is that the Jets? Is that the Giants? I don't even remember. But we'll find out. Find out what players they have that we might want to target in our Dynasty Leagues. Now remember, you can find me on Twitter at Roto Lounge YouTube. You can find me at Roto Lounge Patreon.com slash Roto Lounge. This has been your boy Brad Starks in the Roto Lounge. I think things are looking up. So drink up and good luck.